0: Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, fellow listeners, and welcome to episode 29 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I want you to sit back, relax, and enjoy a good story. Because today, I'm going to be picking the brain of brand storyteller, Park Howell. Park was named Advertising Person of the Year in 2010 by the American Advertising Federation. And his agency has been recognized among the top 10 most impactful companies in Arizona. He is also the host of a podcast called The Business of Story. Park, welcome to the show and thanks for letting me pick your brain.
1: Oh, thanks, Daniel. I hope there's something in there you can actually get at. But it's great being here.
0: <laughs> very, very funny. Um, now, before we get into discussing why stories are so important and how they can help grow a business, let's talk a little bit about your personal story. What's your background, Park? And how did you become a brand storyteller?
1: Ah, well, great. Whenever anybody asks me that question, I'm like, all right, I'm on stage. I grew up in Seattle, Washington area, the you know northwest portion of the United States, and I was one of seven kids. Now, these are seven kids born within nine years of each other, so... It was pretty scrappy. And, you know, if you wanted to get your fair of loving and attention, you had to really figure out how to tell a better story than your next sibling. Mm. And you uh, know, my father had one rule at the dinner table, and that was you had to keep one foot on the floor. Everything else went. So <laughs> kind of a metaphor for how we were raised, you know, work hard, be honest, be, you know, kind and true and uh, go get it, you know, and get, go after it. And so Growing up, I studied music. I loved the piano. I used to write a lot of songs when I was a kid, believe it or not. I mean, in the third grade, I was writing music just for the, the the grins of it. I ended up going to college at a place called Washington State University, Wazoo, as they call it here. And I studied communications and journalism because I knew that I wanted to be in the communications world. But while I was going to school there, I also started studying music composition and theory. I thought, well, I walk by the music department every single day. I may as well just pop in and maybe I can get a minor in it or at least fill up some of my hours with some extra music credits. Well, before I knew it, Daniel, I had graduated from the School of Music with a bachelor's in music composition and theory before I finally got my journalism communications degree. Right. So 30 years later, here I am, and I've been in the advertising marketing world. And like my studies in music, why uh, uh, composition and theory is because I was always fascinated about how music came together. And studying Bach and Mozart and the sonata, allegro form, whatever, to me was always about, wow, how does that work? Why does that work? And are there some basic universal truths within music? And I always used it throughout my life in writing and you know, having rhythm to what I was writing, whether it's a TV commercial or Radio spot or a proposal or whatever, and then just over ten years ago, our middle son went to film school at Chapman University in Orange, California. I now, by the way, live in Phoenix, Arizona. Raised our family here, and he studied film. He graduated with a film production degree, and he's in Hollywood now as a motion graphics artist. He's been there for uh, since 2010. But while he was there, I said, since we're paying for these. Your textbooks, I want you to send them to me when you're done with them because I want to know what does Hollywood know hmm. that we need to know? And more importantly, how do they get young storytellers like yourself to be competitive in the most competitive storytelling market in the universe, Los Dang. Angeles? That's when I met Joseph Campbell, or at least the work of Joseph Campbell, America's foremost mythologist. That's when I was introduced to The Hero's Journey, this monomyth that he put together that is the universal structure to story that has been around literally since the beginning of time, since we have been writing down our stories. And I simply, I guess, using the same faculties that I created when trying to understand how music was created, saw the same thing in the story structure for communications. And from that, I overlaid it on brand strategy, the work we were doing in brand strategy, in activation. And I saw this universal structure play out in what we were doing, which, you know, unbeknownst to me, by the way, it was just working. So I thought to myself, what if we actually got intentional about it? And I created a 10-step process totally inspired by Joseph Campbell, a hybrid of his hero's journey. Mm -hmm. And I call this 10-step process the story cycle. That's right. And now for many, many years, we have been taking many brands through this high-level brand story strategy using this 10-step process and right down to the tactical execution of using the same process for their TV commercials, for um, their websites, for user experience. And uh, that's how it's come full circle in my life.
0: Wow. Wow. Park, we're going to get into that story cycle today. In fact, I actually printed out the whole cycle and I want to take our listeners through the cycle. I think that would be very beneficial for them. Awesome. But before we do that, I just want to sort of, I guess, for those that aren't sold on why a story is beneficial to a business, to growing a business, because I understand we love stories. I get that. You know, I, my kids, I have three kids myself, and they love listening to a good bedtime story. And everybody loves a good story. And in fact, I just started reading a book called Talk Like Ted because um, mm-hmm. I want to get onto the, the speaking circuit. And there are seven things that the author found in common with the best speakers, the best TED speaks, the most popular ones. And you know what the first two were? What's that? So the first one was passion, which makes mm-hmm. sense. Because if you're talking about I mean, anything – you could be talking about paint drying, but if you're passionate about it, it sounds intriguing, right? Whereas you could be talking about something that's quite interesting, but if you've got no passion and you're talking just like as if you want to go to sleep, so you put the crowd to sleep. So that makes sense. But the second most powerful factor that, that uh, they had in common was telling a story, was the ability to, to tell a good story. So I understand it from a speaking perspective and I understand it from a an entertaining perspective. We watch movies, we we like you said Hollywood, that's what the you know, it's the most competitive industry. What about in business? And I want to get practical because most of my listeners are either starting out in business or they've got a small business and they're looking at things like, you know, Facebook ads. They're looking at Google AdWords. They're looking at social media marketing, email marketing. They just want to get clients, right? They want to be building their business. They want to be getting clients in the door. How can we do that with story? Mm -hmm.
1: So you had talked about story from the presentation aspect and from the entertainment aspect. Now I want you to think about it, Daniel. Daniel, from the survival aspect. And this is why it is so powerful in our life. Now, bear with me here for a second. Think about it. Uh, Our brain and the amoeba have the exact same goal, and that is survival of the organism. That's what they're put on this planet for. We can go weeks without eating. We can go days without drinking, but we can only literally go about 35 seconds without creating meaning out of something that is happening around us, essentially creating a story about what's going on around us? So is this a fight or flight? Is this an opportunity or a challenge? What do I do next? That's just the way our reptilian brain, our subconscious is wired for survival of our being. Now, let's fast forward into the advertising marketing world. It used to be that brands owned the influence of mass media because there were only a few places to share your story, TV, radio, print, outdoor events, public relations, that sort of thing, and your customer never got to participate. So the the ad, advertising could get really lazy. We own you. We own your eyeballs. We own the influence of mass media. So we are going to pound you into submission with our features and benefits bullshit. Right but but that all changed technology totally leveled the playing field now the masses are the media they have the influence so they're no longer saying you can't bombard us with this inane wallpaper of advertising and marketing and expect us to respond to it In fact, we own your brand story. So, Mr. Brand Marketer, I want you to start making better stories that (laughs) I can actually participate in and live from because I got to survive this onslaught of information that I get twenty four seven from all of the social media channels that I choose to opt into. So I'm actually saying I want to be overrun by this noise, this cacophony of communication, and there is simply no way for brands to stand out in that milieu of messaging without using what our brain is absolutely hardwired for, the three acts of story in the most simplistic way. Right. Set it up, create a problem, give me a resolution, and do it from my perspective, not the brand's perspective. That's how story is working so powerfully in our day. You know, I, I often tell our, our friends that ADHD is now a communicable disease. And in fact, we are all the viruses of it. So, how do you expect to get your message through this ADHD attention economy mm-hmm. if you don't do something different and actually tickle the subconscious of people by using what has made it work since the beginning of time? And that's simple storytelling.
0: And I, you know, I'm, I'm listening to that and I agree with you 100%. And in fact, I would even say that probably one of the, the people that I really look up to at the moment is a guy called Gary Vaynerchuk. Have you heard of Gary Vaynerchuk? Oh, yeah.
1: Just heard him speak. He did the keynote at Social Media Marketing World uh, two months ago, where I actually did a workshop on storytelling and business. So, yeah, wow. Gary's fantastic.
0: So, so he is, for me, he is one of the, best examples of someone who's doing an incredible job of telling stories and in fact you know if you go back 10 years ago when he started wine library and he took his father's wine business from 3 million to 60 million dollars and that was just by you know pretty much getting in front of a camera every single day consistently and and telling a story you know he does it with daily v now where he's got you know some uh, a guy called uh, D-Rock who basically follows him around and and you see life the a day in the life of Gary Vee which is it's so fascinating and i sit literally almost every single day with my lunch and i watch daily v i'm hooked you've got ask Gary Vee so he's really really uh doing it the right way but i think the question that a lot of the, my listeners will be will be thinking is you know okay it works for someone like Gary who's at his level but if you're running a small business or you're just starting a business. You know, is it the best way to grow your business? Because it's such a long-term investment, you've got to put in a lot of time to really see the reward.
1: Well, you do and you don't, and you know, this whole short-term appetite for immediate success is just a total fallacy. It's a total, it, it's it's non-fiction, or I mean, it's total <laughs> fiction, I should say. Yeah. So, what I would say to the small business owner, and what I say to our small business owner clients, is first and foremost, ask yourself why. What is the story be behind the why you do what you do? You know, Simon Sinek, who is a famous, famous uh, uh, leadership guru out here, tells people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do. So what I ask all of our customers that I would ask your listeners to do is first and foremost, ask yourself why you do what you do in the business you're in. What is your agenda?
0: Paul, can I ask you a question? I'm going to be yes, very, I'm going to be very blunt here. You bet. What if the answer... That someone says is to make money What if the reason why I'm in business is just because I want to make I want to make a hundred thousand dollars a year I want to make two hundred thousand dollars a year that's it
1: then they will probably be doing a commodity play. They'll have to sell a whole lot of stuff at a very small margin and hope that that works. I don't know. In my experience, there's there's emptiness in that approach. There's number one emptiness and there's nothing fulfilling about that. For And if you're really going to put in the long hours and the, you know the, the nights and the weekends and the energy that you have to put into making any business work, you've got to have passion. Passion is the fuel and the engine to make that happen. And if your only passion is to make money, It's just not enough. It's not going to take you through the hard times. So I would say the very first thing, and I've said it to folks in our workshops, if that is your mission, you are living the wrong story. You will not be successful. You might be successful making money in it, but for the most part, it's going to take you a lot longer at much smaller margins to make that happen. Right. Now, there are so few high flyers and a few people that get lucky at that. But the ones that I found that are really successful and stand the test of time are people that are pursuing truly their passion, what they want to do in their brand or their business is simply an expression of that. And if it is not an expression of that, then I would encourage them to find the guts, find the courage to go out and actually live into a story that does drive you, that does excite
0: you. Right. So let's get I want to get practical. I've got I I told you before I printed out the uh, uh the 10 step guide and I've got do it in, I've got it in front of me. I'm sure you probably know it by heart, right? I do. <laughs> well, I do. But I'm going to help you out with it. Um, <laughs> so, so what is those 10 steps. Let's go through the overview and then and then I want to just kind of go through it and maybe we'll use me as an example. Maybe we'll take me and go through the story cycle. And then at the other end of it, I want to really get into some practical applications for the for those that are listening how they can start telling their story for their personal brand, for their company brand.
1: Absolutely. All right. So the 10 steps, and now I'm going to ask your listeners to do two things. I need them to think out of both sides of their brain because I want them to first start with what is the brand story, but then what's your customer story? And you'll see how they come together. So they're actually going to be kind of jotting down two different stories in this, but when we come to you, Daniel, let's maybe just focus on your leadership story, why you do what you do. It'll be simpler that way. But I, I, I want to cover it this way so people understand that this process can be used from everything, from your own personal journey to high-level brand strategy, right down to your tactical executions and the story structure around that. It all begins with chapter one, the backstory, or what I uh, theatrically say, where in the world have you been? And all I do is ask my audience or ask the people that are going through this to say, answer these three questions. Where have you been? Where are you now? Where are you going? I mean, they're very illuminating. They're so basic, but it just gets people thinking, okay, who am I and what is the context of my story? Can I just stop? Work-
0: Park, yep. I'm going to stop you there for a second because I really want to – I want my listeners to get the most out of this. So you if, if you're listening to this, I would highly recommend – again, if you're driving, then please don't. Um, <laughs> but if you are sitting at home you know, or in your office, get out a, a piece of paper, get a pen and really you know, pause the podcast at this point and then really stop it at each point and do this – or maybe if you are driving right now or you're you're going for your run when you get back or when you do have an hour spare or 2 hours spare really this could really change your life i would take out a piece of paper and a pen and go through this and do and and do the uh the practice. The-
1: and Daniel, what I'll do is when we're done here, I will email you two PDFs. One that takes them step by step through this so they okay. can write their story down in an interactive PDF. And then one that's simply a, a one sheet version of this that they can use to outline any message they're trying to communicate about their brand. I'll send that to you so Amazing. you can put them in your show notes and they'll have some extra you know tools to work with as we're going through this.
0: This is exciting. Right.
1: Yeah. All right. So number one, the backstory, where in the world have you been? Where, where have you been? Where are you now? Where are you going? And when we're working with the brand, this is when you write down, what is your number one position in the marketplace? What is it as a brand you do better than anybody else? And what? how can you defend that? And how is that relevant to your audience? And we'll talk more about that in a minute. Okay. We get into chapter two, who's your hero? Now, the only time you or your brand get to be the hero of the story is when you're doing your leadership story, when it is truly about you and why you do what you do. When you're working with your brand story, uh, who's your hero becomes your audiences. And what we ask people to do is identify your top three audiences. And then, using the story cycle, literally, it's a 10 step interview process, write a persona about each one of these top three audiences. So you really understand your audience audiences in a godlike way. But what we want to know about you in the leadership story is tell us about yourself, your strengths and more importantly, your weaknesses. When someone reveals the vulnerabilities about themselves or their protagonists in the story, our mind loves it. Why? It goes back to that whole concept of survival. We want to know how does the underdog survive and actually accomplish and thrive in what they're trying to achieve because we simply live vicariously through the heroes in our journeys. We want to know what you did so that we would know what to do just in case it happens to us. So that's that's the fractal nature of the story there. Chapter three, what's at stake? Everything has, you have to have stakes. You have to have something that you either stand to gain and or stand to lose by not going on this journey. So from a leadership standpoint, you know, from your brand story, what did you stand to gain and or lose by starting your company, your brand or whatever? And then put goals to that. You know, what are your short, medium and long term goals? From your customer standpoint, what do they stand to gain or lose? What's at stake for them to incorporate your brand in their life? And again, write down short, medium and long-term goals for each of those, because those will be really important as you come to map the story journey with your customer. Now we move into step four. Chapter four is the call to adventure, or what Hollywood calls the inciting incident. Something has to happen that turns the world upside down and propels us into motion. Now, in the famous Wizard of Oz, a big tornado comes in and whisks Dorothy out of Kansas, her ordinary world, into the new extraordinary world of Oz, of which then she goes on a grand adventure, finds herself, and returns back home to Kansas with the boon, this new knowledge, this new inner strength. Well, the same thing happens in the marketing world. I always say you can't sell in the status quo. If you do, then you're in a commodity business and there's no not a lot of future in a commodity business. What you want to do is either be responding to a disruption in the marketplace or causing a disruption in the marketplace. This is when, as a brand, you write down your unique value proposition. So based off your number one position in the marketplace, what you do better than anybody else, how do you deliver on that? What is the unique value that you deliver that either is responding to this disruption in the the market or is causing that? And either way is more relevant and more urgent to your audience than anybody else. And then you ask yourself, what is the call to adventure for your audience? How do, you, how do you get them involved in your story? How do you beckon them in and get them shaken out of status quo? All right. So we've gone through the first uh, four steps. We're setting context for the overall brand story. Step number five, then, is what I call villains, fog, and crevasses, <laughs> or obstacles and antagonists. But it's more fun to go villains, fog, and crevasses. And what I get our, our, our workshop so people on. I've around. got to
0: tell you, what is a yes. crevasse?
1: A crevasse, a big gap, uh, a, oh, a, a crevice, a, a ravine, a crevice. Okay. I know. People say it all kinds of ways <laughs> and I never, I sometimes get corrected and I sometimes don't. A crevice. Okay. Yes. So the villains, who is the competition in your life that is trying to thwart your progress, trying to take your business away from you or your customers away from you? I mean, the true villains out there, the other villains we have are more lovable. And that's you. What are the fears? What are the self doubt that you have to overcome? Even who are those family members or those people close to you that keep asking you, what are you doing? Are you sure you're doing the right thing? These are all the villains that we have to overcome. And that's why I'm saying if you're in it for money, you quickly cowered away from these villains. If you're in it for passion and purpose, all of a sudden you've got the armor to take on these villains. The fog, Daniel, is in our stories of what do we know we don't know. I mean, sometimes we just got to fake it till we make it and we get in there, but we have to be very diligent in that process as we're cutting our way through the fog to find the answers and put them in our quiver so that we have these answers as we move forward to help us overcome the crevices. Right. Or is it crevasses? And that is... The simply the gaps in our stories, you know, here's what we want to be. Here's where we want to go. But we have this yawning chasm there. And what do we need to do operationally, story-wise, marketing-wise to overcome and bridge this chasm so that we can get to the other side? So, you know, this is your basic SWOT analysis, but it's more fun looking at it when you look at it through like the eyes of the Brothers Grimm. Because it, it, it elicits, it excites that innate storyteller that is within all of us. And I often tell my folks, too, is, you know, when I'll ask them if I have a big crowd and I'll say, how many of you feel like you're a good storyteller? I'll be lucky to get 10 percent of that room to raise their hand. Mm. And then I'll say, what if I told you that you were actually at the top of your storytelling games in kindergarten? (laughs) And our education system, corporate, you know, constructs, society, political correctness, it's all conspired to silence your inner storyteller. And all I bring to them then is this process that if you approach this in a very intentional way, something magical actually happens inside you. All of a sudden this storyteller that is knitted in our psyche just comes to life in this quilt of amazing knowledge around story. I mean, it becomes very familiar to people. That's why when we approach something as basic or academic as a SWOT analysis, we don't necessarily talk about a SWOT analysis. We simply talk about what are the villains, fog, and crevices crevices that you have to overcome.
0: When you say SWOT analysis, my my eyes roll back. I know.
1: I know, but you know what? You have to do that for people. You have to say that because you have to even share the story cycle from their worldview. And so many business leaders, communicators come at this from that MBA SWOT analysis approach that I got to marry the two. I say, hey, it's really a SWOT analysis we're doing, but right. I want you to approach it as an author would, not as an MBA would. And you'll find that your answers become much more human, much more passion behind them. And they're as authentic as ever. They're just more powerful within the grips of the storytelling mind right okay so we've set the st- stage here with our first five chapters your backstory who's your hero what's at stake uh the call to adventure and now what are you up against you want something in the universe pushes back daniel we never ever achieve anything of any significance by ourselves there's always somebody or some ones that come along to help us this next chapter chapter six in the story cycle i call enter the mentor There's always somebody there that helps us. Now, from a brand perspective, you, the brand, is the mentor of this journey. You are there to help guide your customer on their quest to achieve what they want. And you happen to be the Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Yoda, or in the uh, uh, good, or the, uh, what am I trying to say, the Wizard of Oz, or, you're Glenda the Good Witch of the North. Or you, Morpheus from the Matrix. Or Morpheus, absolutely. Another great example of it. So in this section of the, the process, as your leadership story, we want to know who was there to help you and how did they help you. That helps you connect and really have empathy for that person because when you are now directing a brand, Brand, you need to have empathy for your customer and the journey they're on. So that's when you refocus the brand as the mentor. And there's three primary things we do in this stage when working through the brand strategy. Number one is what is your emotional promise? What do people emotionally get right. by interacting with you and your brand? Number two is what is the gift? What is the gift that you get by being, you know, by by working with this brand? What do they give me that I cannot get anywhere else? that is truly a gift that levels me up. And then number three is the personality. What is the personality of the brand? And when we do this, is we just simply uh, simply take that uh, Swiss psychologist Carl Jung's approach to personality archetyping, and we look at twelve different archetypes and help clients understand which is the most pronounced archetype for your brand that helps then guide you in how you talk about it, how you express the brand story and what sort of personality, the words you use, the the imagery you use and then sometimes we'll look to one or two supporting archetypes that move in there. What this does is, you know, the old way in branding used to be, if you were a beer, what kind of beer would you be? And If you were a dog, what kind of dog would you be? And how would you bark? And we've yeah. done all that and it just seemed like always a sideshow to me yeah. until I started studying young and, and his archetyping and I thought well there it is you know we're trying to bring an inanimate object of a brand to life and I just found this to be a really helpful way to do that personality wise okay, okay. Moving right along. Chapter seven, the road of trials. Now, really, you could say everything leading up to this point is set up. We've just built complete context for our story. But now what happens? This is the customer journey. And I mean, you could do a whole weekly series on customer journeying in and of itself. I boil it down because I want to keep people still focused on the story framework of the journey. So I I boil it down to three basic milestones within a journey as it relates to your customer uh, relating to your brand. First one is simple awareness brand awareness where do they first come in contact with your story and how do you beckon them in you know what's their thought process and how do you beckon them into your story the second one is adoption okay they like you they like your story they believe what you're saying they actually buy into it and they buy your product or service that's adoption What is that story? What is their mind frame? Where are they on their journey? And how do you connect your story with their story at that point? And probably most importantly, how do you deliver on all the promises that you have made in your stories thus far? So what you really do is getting them adopting into your story. They're becoming a part of your story. They're no longer just reading it. They are at the heart of your story. Um, and then the final one is appreciation. So they like repeat customer. This is pretty cool. I like this stuff. I'm buying again. I'm going to start sharing this with my friends. They really appreciate what you have done, brought to their lives to level them up. And that last point is very important. And we'll cover a little bit more about that in chapter 10, about brand bonding, because we want to move them from being appreciative of the brand into brand evangelism. And so that's the last step of the story cycle. But let's move on from chapter 7 into chapter 8, and that is victory is at hand. This is really important because think about every great story you've seen. Your protagonist, the, the hero of the journey is going through something, and it always gets worse before it gets better, and it gets <laughs> worse and worse, and they're just about ready to succeed. Right. And then they fall off a cliff and it gets even worse, and then somehow they rise to the occasion and they and they win it out. I mean this Jack is, Bauer
0: from twenty four.
1: <laughs> oh, oh no kidding. I mean that guy survived more days than anybody Yeah, forget I mean, he's not he's
0: not a cat, he's some other animal I and mean, forget exactly. seven lives. He's got seven hundred lives. That guy.
1: But I'll be honest with you. I, I
0: wanted him to die because it's just enough <laughs> already. I mean, come on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I can only watch so much of Jack Bauer, and that it gets my blood pressure racing too high. Yeah. But that's that's the case in story. So in our case, what you want to do as a brand in your brand storytelling is the victories at hand. How do you celebrate the little victories along the way? Mm. So in that, in that awareness stage, how do you get them involved in your story and then give them a little victory? Is that a free month trial? Is it to give them a few items for free that they can test out and then they come back, you know, to – To taste your story, to get a little bit involved in your story, but you're giving them a victory. And then you get into the adoption phase, they buy in your products. All right. So, is then now the victory of a percentage off? You buy something else, you get something else for free, uh, refer somebody in. You know, what are these victories that you design within your story? And then finally, of course, in that appreciation stage, how do you, um, like the airlines do, you know, provide that free? frequent flyer, frequent buyer mentality to get them coming back time and time again. Mm. So that chapter eight is about the victories at hand. You've got them. They've done the hard work. They're in place. They've even maybe had a little bit of buyer's remorse along the way, mm. but you've been there to help them level them up through your product service or offering. How do you celebrate each one of those you know, level up uh, positions in your story? Right. Now we move into our last two chapters. Chapter nine is the moral of the story. Hugely important. And this might even be something you begin with. The moral of the story is where you connect the values of your brand with the shared values of your customer. Every story we hear, every story we get exposed to, we always find a universal truth or meaning in it. There's always a punchline. Because, again, why do we like stories? For survival. Our brain wants to know what it would do in case it happens to it to protect the survival of this being. So in the brand world, what we're trying to do is connect with here's what we value as a brand. Here's what is important to us. And we believe this is important to you because we researched you, customer. And so we now have an urgent and relevant product offering that nobody else can deliver on but us. If you are only in the world to make money, you will never get to this stage. Hmm. And you you will not build a very strong company. This is where the brand purpose truly comes out. Answering that question, we exist to do what? By the to way, I ca- money. Park, I mm-hmm. will
0: say one thing. It could be that if someone is in the business to make money because they want to, then use that money to help people, to help you know, give mm-hmm. to the world. Then that could be the moral,
1: without question. And that's and that's a whole different thing. Right. But they're not being driven by money. They are being driven by helping people. And in order to help people, they have to make money. That's totally understandable. But if I'm in it just to sell you something, chances are I'm not going to be in it for very long. Got it. And story certainly won't work for you because you don't have a good enough story to live into that anybody's going to care about. Just (laughs) – that simple. It's just that simple. So, so yeah. So we, um, you know, really explore what um, what are the values of the brand and how do you connect those values, those shared values with your customers, and what is the ultimate brand purpose. And then finally is to be continued. You know, Hollywood knows this better than anybody else. It's produced, I think it's 20, 26th James Bond movie. You know, they that, can that's change another,
0: That's another guy that I want to die.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, they'll just bring on another handsome yeah, hunk Hulk. Yeah, that's true. But, um, but we want to do the same. Same thing with our brand. We want to build brand ritual. How do we keep people coming back time and time and level them up from brand awareness into brand evangelism and get people really, you know, being there to be our storytellers on our behalf? And then this whole process starts all over again because we've taken them from their ordinary world of Kansas, not knowing that maybe we're something that they need in their world. Uh, But we know what their needs are because we've done these customer personas and we know that we've got just the right offering at the right time for them. We send out a call to action through the stories and say, hey, we've got something for you that's going to help you on your journey to get what you want. We help them overcome their obstacles and antagonists through our virtue as a mentor, who, by the way, the mentor in all stories is probably Probably the most important, most powerful person in that entire story. So the brand, even though it's pushing itself as a mentor, it's not relegating itself to the mentorship. It's actually placing itself in the most powerful position in the story. It's just that our egos get in the way and we think our brand is the center of the story when really it's our customers who are the center of the journey. And then we take them on that journey. We level them up by sharing our beliefs, by connecting our values with them building empathy for them, and then delivering time and time again so that they become absolute evangelists for what we have to offer. And that's follows the universal structure of Joseph Campbell's hero's journey to a T. It's just simply boiled down to 10 steps that we in the business world can digest.
0: Okay. Wow. I'm actually now very scared. <laughs> i put myself up for this, and now I'm going to have to go through it. Absolutely.
1: Are we doing your leadership story? We're we're doing why you do what you do.
0: You know, Park, I have to just say something to the people listening now. I just want to let you know that I did not brief Park on this. I did not tell him I was going to do this. This is completely off the cuff. I didn't prepare for this and Park didn't prepare for this. So I just want to say, wow, because – I don't know if, how you remembered every single step, and you went took us through the whole thing completely without any preparation. So just
1: uh, well, I've been teaching it for about ten years and coaching on it, and it's just something that is near and dear to my heart. It truly is where my passion lies.
0: I just hope that I'm going to be able to, uh, uh, you know, live up to this uh, this uh, uh, <laughs> ten step process. Me,
1: it- it's universal. It is a universal structure, and you'll see it amazingly play out. And I want your listeners, if they're around and, and and writing down, go on this journey with us and write your own story down as we go and see what you what materializes before your eyes. It'll blow you away. I'm not kidding you. It'll blow you away.
0: And I'd also like to to hear from you guys. Send me an email, I guess, at the end. Maybe send send it in to me. I'd love to look at it and see what you guys have come up with, and that would be amazing. So. I guess without further ado, let's, let's go through the 10 step process.
1: You got it. All right. Daniel, tell us about your backstory. Where have you been? Where are you now? Where are you going?
0: Okay. I'm going to have to be brief on each of these because of time. Yep. So yep. my backstory, and I think everybody knows, well, most people listening would know this because in episode zero, I, I basically go over the backstory, but to put it very, very brief, I started out on a six figure salary at the age of 23 in California. I then, uh, uh then, that was 2007. 2008, I got re- made redundant and I went broke and I got kicked out on the streets of California with my wife and only child at the time. We then had no other option but to move in with my in-laws. Uh, we were almost going to get a divorce three weeks after that, <laughs> for obvious reasons. I felt completely and utterly depressed. I felt like a failure. I was frustrated. I felt lonely. I was just in this rut and I felt like I couldn't provide for the for, for, for the people that I loved the most. I felt humiliated because I had to live and eat from my parents-in-law who, I guess, expected that their daughter would be safe and protected from this man, but I didn't have that. I then had to uh, call up my dad, who I didn't have a great relationship with, hardly spoke with him, and I had to basically... You know, eat humble pie while I told him that I needed his help, and he then, obviously being a good dad, said that of course, you know, I'll give you a job in London. So I had to go with my wife and child to London and get a job as a, a uh, what's it called, a um, cashier in a in a grocery shop. And after about a year, I wanted to basically shoot everybody in the shop, including myself. So, <laughs> so I told my wife that I need to get the heck out of this. And I started my own company. And to cut a long story short, and maybe we'll get into the details within this uh, 10-step process, but I ended up starting my own virtual office and telephone answering company. I ended up having a, a whole crisis in year two, where I had a nervous breakdown and my head receptionist was suicidal and she couldn't come back to work. And we were kicked out of our office because the office need, uh, the landlord needed the office because they were selling it. So my whole company was going down the drain and I ended up calling my business mentor who told me, stop feeling sorry for yourself, get off your ass and do something. I then outsourced my whole company to a competitor of mine and that allowed me freedom. I worked out of a hotel lobby for a year, grew my company, had incredible growth and moved to Israel, and now I'm semi-retired, and I run my own podcast show, and I'd love to keep doing this because it's my passion. Wow. <laughs> well,
1: there's a, there's an entire story cycle just in your backstory, which, by the way, happens all the time. That's not unusual. I mean, you could literally go through each one of the steps and see it in your backstory. But let's move on to, okay, now we've set up this amazing story and we're with you in Israel. Tell us a little bit about more about you, what we're interested in, are your strengths, what are you particularly good at, just a couple, three things, and then more importantly, what are your weaknesses? What weren't you so good at or, or not so good at on this journey that you need to strengthen as you go.
0: Okay. So this is who's your hero? Is this what this is?
1: This is chapter two. Who's your hero? Okay. This is all about getting straight with your own leadership story.
0: Mm, wow. This is going to be tough. Okay. So we'll start with my strengths and my weaknesses?
1: Let's go with your strengths. That's easiest.
0: Okay. My strengths. Oh boy. I feel like I'm a good communicator. I feel like I, I can build a rapport quite quickly with people that I've never met. I'm really good at sales. I can close deals. I'm Extremely persuasive, hence the only reason why I was able to get married to a, a, a girl from Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm creative. I think outside the box. Man, my ego is just inflated. It's, right now. it's
1: <laughs> wonderful. Okay. So tell us about some of your weaknesses.
0: My weaknesses is I've got a huge ego. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> kidding. Yeah. Actually, I'll tell you, I'll be very honest with you. My, my weaknesses is that I'm afraid to be vulnerable. Okay. I also fear success. You know, I don't fear failure. I used to think that I'm afraid to fail, but I'm not because I've tasted failure too many times. So I'm very familiar with it. But the one thing that I fear, I like absolutely freak out is the idea of huge success.
1: And why do you think that is?
0: <sighs> because I don't think I deserve it. I, I know this sounds a bit, and I hope this doesn't become a therapy session, but. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> you know, no,
0: you're good. You know, when I, you know, when you're sitting there with your wife in a, are you married? Um,
1: Yes, I am married, three kids.
0: Okay. Oh, look at that! Snap. So um, <laughs> you, know, you know when you're sitting there, you know when you're sitting there with your wife at a very nice, expensive restaurant, you're taking her out, and all of a sudden somebody walks in uh, in rags, and they go to the, the trash can and they start taking out some of the bottles so that they can recycle it and earn a few pennies. Mm-hmm. I I I just I don't know something like I just say to myself why why do I deserve to be sitting here eating a, a nice steak? And that guy is 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 on the streets. Yeah. And so I feel like a lot of my life has been given to me, and it's it's just why do I deserve that? So I feel like that's a weakness because I I don't I don't know. I think it's just the fear of success is not it's not real. Like it's you know what I'm saying?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So that's one. So- I would say that's one weakness I have. Let's Another keep one. going
1: along. Okay, you got one more for us?
0: Impatience. I, I just don't, ah. have, don't have patience. Gotta mm-hmm. have, I've got to get results and I've got to see them now.
1: Well, I guess that plays back to your goal, your your, your ability to sell, to mm-hmm. persuade people and to build things quickly. But you went through kind of the ringer there in your backstory, a few years of losing your job on the streets, living with in-laws, asking dad for help, being a, a grocery clerk. So, I mean, you literally had to go back to ashes to come back up through to where you are today. And now you're semi-retired in Israel. Right. Okay. So what's at stake in your story? In this particular story, what's, what's at, at stake? stake? So
0: this is chapter three. Okay. What's at stake? Whew, um... I think number 1 is I need to prov- I need to make sure that the basics are taken care of meaning my wife is happy my three children have a good upbringing and I could provide for them. At, a- at another level I really cherish my freedom and I feel like this is going to come later on in the next step or a few steps down the road mm-hmm. but I feel like I really cherish my freedom because I tasted I'm going to be a bit dramatic here, but because I tasted slavery, so to speak, like I felt Mm -hmm. real slave to the situation, I love the freedom that I have today. The fact that I can be where I want, with who I want, doing what I want is priceless. And Mm -hmm. that for me is what's at stake. I don't want to lose that.
1: So there's, that's an interesting thing about stakes is we often look at what we want, but we also need to look at what do we not want to lose. So in this case, you want your freedom and you don't want to lose that freedom and something to really pay attention to both sides of that freedom equation or that what's at stake equation. Mm All right. So now you've got that. You've built this thing. You know what you're, what's at stake. What was your call to adventure? Or are you experiencing a call to adventure? What turned your ordinary world upside down and led you into a new and extraordinary world? Now, to recount that in your backstory, mm-hmm. you have this ordinary world of the six figure income as a young man. All of a sudden, boom, things changed. You are literally out on your ear on the streets, broke. Living within laws, nearing divorce. That is an extraordinary world. All right. So then you pivot and you go to a new extraordinary world in London as a grocery store clerk. But things aren't necessarily getting better. They're just getting different. Yeah. Now then you, you you made a pivot. There was another call to adventure that got you to Israel and doing what you are doing today. So do you want to talk about that call to adventure or do you want to talk about one that maybe you're currently experiencing to move on to your next level of your story? I
0: think if anybody was to ask me what was the shift, yeah? Mm-hmm. I would say the shift was when I was – almost losing my company, my virtual office company. And I called up my business mentor to tell him that I was basically giving up on the business. And he told me, get up, stop feeling sorry for yourself and do something. Think about a way out of this. And I thought about the most crazy idea. And that was to outsource my business to a competitor. And that I feel like was my most pivotal point. Because I was out, because I outsourced my whole business. That's why I'm able to have the freedom that I enjoy today. I created a passive income by outsourcing all of the back end stuff, all of the you know the the bookkeeping, the accounting, the 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 sales cycle, the actually picking up the phones, delivering the services. It's all being done for me. I've I've got a whole team that I rely on that are great, and that's what allows me my freedom today to do what I love. And I feel like that's my pivot. That's what's really turned around.
1: Awesome. So that was the call to adventure. And I love it when you essentially had a bit of a mentor there, somebody that just said, stop your whining, think of a way out of this. And it opened up a whole new world for you to create this passive income. Right. So you've been telling us a lot about chapter five here of villains, fog and Crevasses. crevices. (laughs) Yeah, either one. Gaps. (laughs) Yep. Tell us about what you were experiencing through all this.
0: You know I feel like I'm still experiencing it because I yeah. f- I feel like when you're when you're trying to get to that first $1000 a month and you say oh if only I could just get you know finally I could just get a $1000 a month or or if only I could just be making $4000 a month you know that would be great but then you hit that and suddenly all of a sudden it's like okay but now I've still now okay now I want now I need to get $6000 a month now I need to get 10000 now I need to get 20000 so I feel like there's always this I need more. I need more, and that's maybe a fog. Maybe it's a villain. You know. So there's that aspect. The mm-hmm. other aspect is the fear of what if I, what if I don't have anything to offer? Like right now, my. my I'm in a point in my life where before I had a business where I was offering services where it was very simple. They, you know, you sold a virtual office service. They had a mailing address. They had a receptionist answering calls. I didn't really need to get involved. But now I'm going into a completely different space where I want to be a public speaker. I want to get up on stage and inspire people. And that is extremely, like, that's very vulnerable to put myself out there. And I guess I sometimes doubt myself. Like, who am I to do that? You know, who am I to to get up on stage? What can I offer to to, to them? Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, it's going back to what you talked about, your strengths and your weaknesses. Right. On one hand, you're very good at connecting with people. On the other hand, you have this challenge with vulnerability. And so you're thinking, oh, that could be a major gap. That could be my undoing. And that's very natural.
0: And I would also say as well is looking over my shoulder and looking at the competition. And I feel like people listening to this will really relate to this as well, where you kind of go, oh. Oh, but they, look at all these different companies they 're doing it they 're better they 've been doing it for longer they 've got more staff right. they 've got more money
1: it's all about your whining excuses isn 't it <laughs> <laughs> and we, and we all yeah. we all suffer from it, I suffer from it too. but we then we have mentors. We have somebody that shows up and helps us out. So tell us about your mentor. This is chapter six. Enter the mentor
0: you know this is a difficult one because the mentor that I spoke about earlier was a guy called Gavin who. He was my mentor for that time, that period of my life, and I have di- I've had different mentors along the way. Today I have a different mentor and actually it's very interesting because my mentor then was more of a business mentor, today it's more of a spiritual mentor, meaning a life like a life coach.
1: Mhm. And they've been very instrumental in helping you continue to move through your progression of your businesses and now getting you set up to become a speaker.
0: Hugely. In fact, one of the things that he advised me about a month ago was, I understand that you're doing this podcast and I understand that you want to go and do public speaking and you want to do online courses, but don't take your finger off the pulse of your other business that's generating money. Mm-hmm. And I felt that was very key. And I was losing the pulse, and I was taking my finger off the pulse. And I then spent the next couple of weeks really just again going back and making sure the business is is ticking, and 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 the, the wheels are are being oiled.
1: Yeah, very smart. All right, so then that pushes us into chapter seven, mm-hmm. the road of trials. Tell us a little bit about the trials, and tell us you know where you've had some successes in this new new project, and where you've had some you know failures, and how you came out of those.
0: So I get are we're talking about the podcast specifically, for example. Well,
1: yeah, because we're talking about your leadership story. And it sounds like everything is leading towards your speaking in your podcast, becoming a thought leader or a coach in this area of how do you overcome life's struggles and strife to really achieve the freedom that everyone is looking for in their business.
0: Okay, so I guess my, my original trials was, again, the fear of exposing myself and, and recording that first episode. I mean, the first episode I ever did, episode zero, believe it or not, I had to record it Sixteen times.
1: Oh, man.
0: <laughs> Hi, my name is Daniel Geff. Oh, sh- I sound like crap. Uh Hi, my name. Oh, no, no. Maybe, hot, maybe hello. Maybe. Oh, hot. You know what I'm saying? So that oh, was shoot. that. Yeah, that was that. Now I just kind of go in for it. And I'll be mm-hmm. honest with you, people listening as well, because I, I really I'm very into being real. And because, you know, you look at people like Gary Vaynerchuk, and you look at all these, 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 uh you know, fa- famous celebrities, and you think, wow, you know, they're perfect. I can never be them. But the truth is, is that everybody has adversities, everybody has struggles. And even now, like, I'm on episode 29, okay? And before I came on this uh call with um Park, I had the same butterflies in my stomach. And I don't know if they'll ever go away, but I just learned to just do it anyway. Like, I feel that butterfly in the stomach, and I just say, Hi there, butterfly, how are you doing? And I just get on the call, and I just go for it. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think those butterflies are good. (laughs) That's your psyche keeping you awake and alive and knowing that you're doing something somewhat dangerous, at least in your own mind. And I get the same thing. I have the exact same butterflies jumping in, but it's fun. It's what keeps you electric and moving forward. So So we move into give us... A, a victory you know, chapter eight, victory is at hand. Tell us about a small win along this way that tells you that you're on the right track. And by the way, you've already kind of shared this in some respects. And that is like, man, if I could just make a thousand dollars a month, okay, boom, I got now, oh, if I could make two, if I could make four, you are continuing to level yourself up through your ability in your business. So that's a good example of it. Right. Give us another example of a that victory is at hand for what you want to be doing next in your world.
0: Well, I think right now the most recent victories is that I hit 10,000 downloads in 3 months. So I only started this three months ago and from, you know, just not knowing at all about anything about podcasting, knowing absolutely nothing about the the podcasting space, I've never done radio, I've never done anything like this, to suddenly getting 10,000 downloads and getting, you know, emails from people saying, oh, I love your podcast, it's just that for me is a victory. And I think the biggest victory for me is when my listeners reach out and just share where they are and how... You know, this is inspiring and motivational to them.
1: Oh, without question. When they go on iTunes or whatever, and they give you your star rating oh, yeah. and they oh, send yeah. a note, yeah, I'm with you. That's on, very, very rewarding. On, and that a really note, good on that
0: note, Park, I'm going to go and and uh, and, and do a uh, what do they call uh, the uh, plug? If you are if if you haven't done so already, please do give me a <laughs> five star rating on iTunes. <laughs>
1: Absolutely, and while you're there, look up business of story and do the same thing for me.
0: Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Well, that's great. And what I liked about your example of that victory is it was measurable. It was something that you could feel. You had an emotion connected to it, and told us how it how it made you feel, which is extraordinarily important in the story. And it was measurable. Over three months, I've had ten thousand downloads. That is a victory to me because you are demonstrating progress and progression within your story, and that's what the brain wants. That's what storytelling is all about. have to keep demonstrating progression. Now, the progression of this moves into chapter nine, the moral of your story. And hopefully by going through all of this, as you have done, Daniel, and hopefully some of your listeners have done at their coffee table and they're writing this down their kitchen table. This is the why. What do you value and what does your story reveal to us, your audience, a truth about you and a greater universal truth about, well, the universe?
0: So I would say if you were to ask me, what do I want in one word? It would be freedom. Because that for me is is worth if you told me, you know, Daniel, you can make, you know, half a million dollars a year working in a steady job, 9 to 5, you just need to show up and you'll get paid half a million dollars a year. Or you can get paid, you know, let's say 200,000 dollars a year, but you're your own boss. You can go play tennis in the afternoon. You can go hang out with your wife whenever you want. You can go out with your kids. You can take six week vacations if you like. Without question, I would go for $200, 000, the $200,000, the, the lesser, the lesser of the amount, but the freedom. Because mm-hmm. for me, I don't, I cannot put a price on that freedom. And I, I believe that's really what I want to share with, with, with our listeners. And that's what I want to share it with the world is that. You can have that freedom, a lot of people think they can 't do it, but they can and part of what I love about my, my the company that I run, the virtual office company, is that 's exactly what i 'm selling is i 'm not selling virtual offices i 'm selling freedom because if i didn 't have a virtual office i wouldn 't be able to work out of a hotel lobby i wouldn 't be able to work by the on the beach in israel mm-hmm. so having let's say the virtual office address for any company they don 't need to be Anyway, they can and they have a receptionist answering their calls that that's giving them freedom. That's one aspect. And then there's the public speaking, there's the podcast, there's the online courses where I'm giving people the motivation, the inspiration, the practical tools to find their personal freedom.
1: That's the how and what, the, the speaking podcasts and tools, but what you are the why you do it is not only do you want freedom for yourself, but you get your own freedom when you incite freedom in the uh, in your audiences and in your customers and you don't experience freedom until they have theirs first. Right? Is that a fair a fair yeah. assumption? I mean, and that's a beautiful marrying of why you do what you do. People will buy the fact that you can give them freedom. You just happen to do it through virtual speaking or virtual office speaking, but sharing your own strife, the own struggles you went through, and your sense in freedom, your your escape from slavery, as you put it, into freedom. So that's something I think people can really buy into and get behind. When I would go back and ask you then, Daniel, are you in it for the money?
0: No. Although You're in it for the freedom. I'm in it for the freedom, but, and, and this is something that I think a lot of people, when they say, oh, you know, uh, uh time is money, money, not time is money, but they say that, you know, money can't buy happiness. That's, that's a famous quote I, I hear a lot, but the, I'll be honest with you. The truth of the matter is money cannot buy happiness, but it definitely helps.
1: It definitely helps, but. It kind of takes care of itself if you truly follow your story and what you're passionate about. And that's helping others find the freedom that you have learned and earned. And you're helping them to uh, to get it. And when you do that, then you you get yours. That goes back to just the old saying, you know, brands used to come at you from the standpoint of I'm going to sell you. I'm going to hammer you. I'm going to make you feel inadequate. And you got to buy my stuff mm-hmm. so that you are no longer inadequate. But now that's totally changed. And this is where story really comes in. This is where, like, no, man, I am here to connect my value of freedom with the freedom that you're looking for. And I can help you get there. I become your guide, your mentor to get there. So now you have automatically moved yourself into the mentor realm, rightly so, of the story cycle process. In that chapter 10, then in this process is the brand rituals were to be continued. We never tell a story without inviting our audiences into that story. We want them to think something. We want them to feel something. We may even want them to do something. So in your overall leadership story, as spelled out through the story cycle, what is it you want your audience to do next to get them involved in your story and make it a part of their story?
0: I guess I would want them to reach out to me and just say hi, just so I know that they're there and I can make a personal connection with them. Perfect. (laughs) I love that. They, they yeah. can, they can do that by sending me an email or... And where do they,
1: where do they send that email?
0: Well, I, I feel like now you're the host. <laughs> this podcast is this. this anyway. podcast is this. It's, <laughs> it'll be in the show notes, but it's daniel at danielgeffen.com and yeah, daniel at danielgeffen.com
1: that 's awesome, but there you've just gone through the ten step story cycle process and tell me does it feel like again, totally unrehearsed, does it feel like it helped you compartmentalize your story to the point that you have a real focus to it? you may already have had that, but was this a system in doing uh,
0: that? I thought it was very powerful because it got down to really the bottom line of what do I really want because I feel like a lot of people they say I want to be an entrepreneur why do you want to be an entrepreneur because I want to run my own business why do you want to run like it gets down to the bottom and what's in my way what's stopping me like I'll be honest I'm doing this with you without writing anything down because we're having this conversation I feel that if I play this back, which I will do, and I then write it down, I think that's going to be more powerful because then I'll be able to, to really go deeper.
1: Well, as the old adage goes, you don't know what you know until you write it down, and you really don't know what you don't know until you teach it. Right. So here's what I would ask for you and for all your listeners is go through the process like we did here, write it down. And then share it with people. Teach your story to people and see how it resonates. See how it works for them. And you might find ways to strengthen it even more, being authentic in that process. But the more you retell the story, not memorize it, but the more you retell it, the more it truly becomes a part of you, is a natural expression of you. And you find that you can create a clearing in your life to live into this new story and really profit and benefit from it in all the right, meaningful ways.
0: Talk. I can hear. I can literally hear my listeners saying, "Okay, this is great. This is wonderful." But what if I'm selling paper clips online? Like, how can this work for a company that is selling something that's just not? I don't know if the word is sexy, but
1: a commodity.
0: Yeah, like a, a, <laughs> yeah, a commodity.
1: yeah, you know it. It's hard, but you know, even commoditized businesses have a real purpose in the world. So it helps them first find what that real purpose is. And maybe if you're just selling them paper clips, maybe you can also be selling them Dell computers because you're already in that, you know, in their mindset as a business. But maybe you are selling not paper clips, but freedom with the use of paper clips. <laughs> I would and love to hear sudden, this part. Starts- well, how do
0: you get freedom with paper clips?
1: Well, you know how awful it is when you're sitting in your office and your fan goes on too fast and it <laughs> blows all your reams of paper all over the place, and then you spend hours trying to piece them all together. You're on your hands and knees doing that. You rub holes in your <laughs> your stockings or your trousers, and you've lost all this time. And you have become to the you have became a slave to the non paperclip environment. Beautiful. And therefore, when I buy paperclips, I don't buy silver paperclips. Ooh. I buy purple paperclips from the purple paperclip company because it represents royalty in my life. And after all, we're all kings and queens in our own minds. And that's what the paperclip is about. And oh, by the way, I'll pay you a quarter for such a
0: paperclip. Wow. I love it. <laughs> no, I really like that. That's wonderful. Yeah, It's not what you make, it's what you make happen. <laughs> I, that's an exercise, I think, for for those listening. That's an exercise. If you are, or if you think you're in the commodity business where you're selling something that you don't feel is exciting, find something exciting that you can tell. And you know what's going to happen if you do that? You're going to stand out from all the other competitors because I guarantee you, nobody's doing it, or very few people are doing this, without and, question. And and not only that, but you'll be able to raise your prices as well because of the fact that you're now. You're adding value because of your why, because of your story.
1: Yeah, essentially just look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs and stories help you raise your customer out of this basal commoditized thinking about your product Mm -hmm. into enlightenment. And then you want to get them enlightened on your product that empowers them to do more with their life because they will pay more for that. You will have more loyalty for that around that. You will have more margin in that. Everybody wins.
0: So how do you use... I just want to, I guess, wrap this up. I think this has been amazing, uh, Park, but I want to get just one more. How do you then have a call to action? You've, you, you, okay, you've built your story, your, everything you're doing, you're on your Facebook, you're not, okay, so just first of all, I would just say what I'm taking out of this conversation is that stop selling on Facebook and Twitter and and, and Instagram and all those other places. Stop throwing up all over the place and saying, look at me, look what I could sell, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. But no one cares. No one wants that. They just literally swipe you down and you're gone. Build a story. Tell a story about your brand on Facebook, on Twitter, on whatever platform that you're going to use. But now I'm going to ask you this question, Pop. How do you then have a call to action? How do you then get them to then take the next step, whether it's downloading, you know, getting the free trial, whether it's, you know, taking out their credit card. How do you do that within the story?
1: Yeah. And so you have to really know your audience in a godlike way. Like I say, what is it they want How do you help them get it and then ask them to buy it? Ask them to move. What is it that you want them to do? It's the funniest thing. We human beings have an aversion against asking people to do something, even in the advertising and marketing world. We need to risk selling something. So just simply ask them, ask and you shall receive, understand who they are what they want, how you can help them, and then direct them through your ask on what they should do next. Invite them into your story and ask them to do something. It could be Good. as simple as downloading a tool. It could be buying a $20 workbook, which you can, by the way, buy at uh, com. a mm-hmm. complete workbook that takes you through it. See, there's just a call to adventure there. Loved I want just ask them to do something. Don't be shy about it. It's okay to ask.
0: Right. Right. A hundred percent. But I would just say that obviously the ask has to come after you've already told this, shared your story. Because Absolutely. Right.
1: Well, it's like, you know, when you met your wife, did you ask her to marry you on the first date?
0: Actually, I did. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding.
1: (laughs) But it all starts with, hey, she's interesting. Hey, I I think she's pretty attractive. Hey, I wonder if she would go out with me. Would you like to go out with me? Would you like to go out with me again? Blah, 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 blah. Would you like to meet my parents? Would you marry me? So yeah, it always takes a certain amount of courting. And some of this courting can happen just through your research and understanding who these people are and finding them at the right time in their journey that you have the exact right offering that they need. They may have only known you for 30 minutes, Mm. but they've done their due diligence and they said, you know, Daniel has something here. I'm gonna download this free trial. Or I'm gonna download his his workbook or his paperbook, you know, back right. paperback or whatever. But it's understanding who they are, where they are on their story journey, and which story to share with them, and then ask them to do something. So here's the here's a challenge for you. Here's what I want anybody and all of you listening to this and Daniel, the next time you are out at the most unlikely place to ask somebody to do something. And it could be you're having lunch with somebody, you might be at a dinner party or I don't know what, but you're, maybe you're out of the business mindset. Tell them a personal story, but make sure at the end of that story, you are going to ask them to do one of two things. Either join you in whatever that story is about by actually having them come and help you do something or whatever, or ask them to think a similar way. you know, Ask them to really ingest and, and digest the moral of the story and see if you can get them to think a certain way. And when you do that, you are now incorporating them and involving them in your story. And in essence, you are selling your viewpoint on something. And we're all salesmen. Whether we're selling our kids on eating their green peas or you're selling your ability to be a speaker or me selling my ability to help you with your brand story strategy, we're always selling. But we forget that. We just forget it when we're in our stories and we forget to involve our audiences by not asking them to participate in our stories. When you start asking them, you'll be amazed at the kind of reaction you get. Very, very positive reaction.
0: Okay, guys, are you all ready for this? I'm going to ask Park something. (laughs) (laughs) Here we go. You got it. Can I come on as a guest on your podcast?
1: Sure. See, I like it. Look at that. You see
0: that?
1: I got no problem. It it would be fabulous. I was even thinking we should just simulcast this podcast because you basically have covered everything. (laughs) Mm,
0: That's (laughs) true.
1: We could do that. I did that with a friend of mine, uh, Brian Adams, a PH creative out of London. And he and I literally did a podcast together and we interviewed each other just like this. And then he ran it on his podcast and I ran it on my podcast. And it was a blast. We just had a great time.
0: Yeah. Okay. So, Park. Just to wrap up here, if my listeners want to find out more about storytelling and they want to really get you know down and dirty and 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 really like you mentioned the workbook for twenty dollars that they can buy on your website, can what other what other ways are they able to go further, take further? You action?
1: bet. So the URL is businessofstory. Dot com or they can type in thebusinessofstory.com. It'll take you to my platform. There, I blog extensively about story and how to use it in your life. I've got a podcast that comes out once a week, every Monday, Business of Story, where I connect story artists from around the world with my listeners so that they can, our listeners have a better idea of how to incorporate new story in their personal and professional lives. I have a number of free downloadable tools on the site at Business of Story. And I'm there for you. If you have any questions, you can reach me at uh, my email, which is simply park at businessofstory.com.
0: Park, this was extremely insightful, extremely practical. Thank you so much for letting me pick your brain today. Thank you to all my fellow listeners for tuning in. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.